Hi, my name is Jeremy Adams, writer on Green Lantern, the animated series, and you're listening to Across the Airwaves. Meanwhile, at the DC Nation, we are tonight's no! entertainment. <laughs> Here on the world, freezes in the None of the Robins ever complained. You're going to melt we just like a cheese sandwich. And show you just how powerful I really am. Always hold on to small pieces. I can only do some escape my sight, but those who worship you as might be where my power green lantern lies. But let the universe howl in despair, for I have returned. We have no more use for this one. Kill him. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Across the Airways DC Nation podcast. The only place so far on the internet to find podcast reviews on Green Lantern, the animated series, Young Justice, and all the other imaginative content DC Comics provides for its fans, including comic books, Brian Q. Miller's Smallville Season 11, and movies. And I'm, of course, Dan Schmidt, your host. And with me is the most infamous member cover across the airways core. Carverio, Michael J. Petty, and Michael, can your best announcer voice? Can you give us the titles of the episodes and shorts we are covering today, as well as the comic books? Absolutely, Dan. On week forty-six of the DC Nation podcast, we will be covering the Green Lantern the animated series episode Scarred, followed by the DC Nation short Amethyst Level Six: The Final Boss. After that, we will be covering the Young Justice Invasion episode Intervention. And last but not least, the Smallville Season 11, Issue 36, Effigy, Chapter 3. Well, now that Michael's explained what's going to happen on today's episode of the DC Nation podcast, it's time to get into the big, exciting section of our show that's going to have a huge surprise. So let's take it away with talking about the Green Lantern, the animated series episode, Scarred. With time running out for the universe, Hal and the others gather yellow crystals to use as weapons against Aya. On this week's DC Nation podcast, we will be guested by Blue Hope and scarred writer of Green Lantern, the animated series, Jeremy Adams. Yay! (laughs) Uh, Well, hey guys, thank you so much for having me on. No, thank you for being on. Yes, most definitely. (laughs) No, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited just to be able to have the opportunity to talk about stuff that I've been involved in. You know, it's it's a relatively new thing for me, so it's pretty exciting. That's cool. We're glad we could get you that excited because we're excited yeah. here. <laughs> and really, starting things off, we're just going to get this out of the way so we can more focus on more positive and upbeat things. But we here really at uh, DC Nation uh, podcast, we really kind of think it's a darn shame that your show got canceled for everyone involved. I know that's how the business works, but yeah. watching, go ahead. It, yeah. It's been one of those things that, um, we're all going to blame Ryan Reynolds and, yes. um, <laughs> no, it, it, it was one of those things that fortunately, um, Warner brothers put a lot of stock in the green lantern as this yeah. next big franchise and the movie, the live action movie didn't do as well as they thought it would. And because of that, um, you know, that that spilled over into toy sales and um, Walmart, Target, all those places saying, you know, hey, uh, you know, Cartoon Network going, we'd love to sell some of these uh, great 
Green Lantern animated series toys. And they're like, yeah, no, we've got a lot of Green Lantern toys that we can't sell. So they can't really distinguish between the brands in a way. And uh, that that is a real problem for cartoons because you need yeah. to have kind of merchandising component. Which is really sad if you think about it, because the whole point of the cartoon is something to watch, not necessarily something to play with or... Well, I agree with you, and and I love watching the stuff, but I remember when the first couple episodes came out, McDonald's put out some toys, and I... Yep. (laughs) Yes, yeah. bought all of them like quickly. I was just—I did walk into McDonald's like, yeah, I would just like all the toys. I don't—I don't need anything else right now. <laughs> and uh, so I've got my little toy uh, interceptor and razor. Unfortunately, they never did an Aya. Um, but yeah, you know that—that that is an unfortunate like byproduct of cartoons. I think is that a huge portion of that is toy sales. You got to sell, you know, toys to a degree. That's the reality of a lot of it. I think is complimentary and great about Green Lantern the animated series is I think that they did kind of a reverse approach or at least a separate approach that when Jim Krieg and GC got together and Ernie Altbacher to just kind of like talk about the series they really did a great job of putting story first I think and uh, instead of like other shows that it's really you can tell it's about the toys you know Mm -hmm. right so yeah it's unfortunate listen we're Nobody's more depressed about it than than we are. <laughs> Except maybe us. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you guys. And listen, with two episodes left that I've seen, I'm not seeing. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet it ends on a cliffhanger, doesn't it? I am not going to say anything. But I've oh. been in these situations. Like, I'm a big fan of genre television for years. And I remember when Angel got canceled. And I was oh. just, I was depressed about that because I was a huge angel fan and buffy fan even firefly and and it hurts <laughs> yes i remember that as well very yeah. good company yes yeah you would think that we would know by now we're much like charlie brown and lucy with the football we just keep watching it's like watching anything on the sci-fi channels you're like yeah dresden files this is all crap you know oh alphas this is all man you know it's just Everything that one bummed me out. Alphas. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I actually really like it. We're alive. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then the last season of Stargate Universe, I really dug. I was like, oh, this is great. It's going. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't like cliffhangers, guys. I don't like them. <laughs> I, I think what you're saying, though, about the toy lines, I think that's definitely what must have killed the new Thundercats show, too, because that was getting really good. And then it yep. just stopped and because the toys weren't selling. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a it's a weird thing. It's a weird uh, it's a weird component to any cartoon. The other show I work on, Monsuno, is a um, it's a much younger kids show, and it's almost wholly dependent on um, toy sales. And yeah. um, it is it, it is amazing what decision making happens. You would think, in my mind, before I got into toys and cartoon writing, I thought that you know it would be enough to sell advertising time. But um, that is not the case. <laughs> so it's a very different animal than the networks that I take it. I think so. Okay. Um, from what I from what I hear about network television, it's completely dependent upon uh, right. you know commercial sales, DVD sales, etc. And um, if you're not getting those watchers, then it's it's you know there's no point really. Well, you'd think with these movies coming out that they would you know look at it differently with the 
you know, the superhero content yes. compared to the rest of the shows that they have on. Yeah, that's, that's something that um, it kind of boggles my mind. Now, I should say that with the caveat of, I mean, in the 80s when Wizard Magazine was at its height, you know, 80s, 90s, late 80s, 90s, and they were doing always do the wizard casts, you know, they would always cast movies. And we would right. dream about, oh, a live action superhero movie. And here we've had a summer of Avengers and Batman, oh. Spider-Man. We've had Smallville where you got to see a Hawkman, which is ridiculous. And you're like, <laughs> holy crap, there's a real costume <laughs> Hawkman, yes. which we'll never see again, you know. Right. And, and our tendency is to kind of complain about it, but it's it is really exciting. If you would have told my you know thirteen year old self that oh don't worry you'll see a live action Avengers movie, I wouldn't believe you. I mean it's a miracle. And yeah. a live action Justice League. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I, there's no one more these rumors floating around than me. Honestly, I you know I'll, in all honesty, I if you bring Bale back as Batman, I don't feel it would work. <laughs> I, really, I, I would well i i think it'll work just because i want to see it you know <laughs> I, I think everyone wants to see it i'm just saying for the standpoint of if you watch like something like justice league unlimited and then the dark knight movies it's a completely different type of batman that i don't think would work with that team so, well maybe i mean i'm waiting for the man of steel movie. i don't know how dark that's going to be you know which which to me yeah. superman has never been dark but the trailers look uh, moody and 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 a little bit dark. Hopefully, it won't have ninety percent of the movie in Zack Snyder slow motion. But uh, <laughs> if it, even if it does, I'll I'll uh, I'll probably enjoy it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, I can't so, tell yeah. you how many countless times we've said, "Oh, we want these guys on Green Lantern the animated series to do the next Green Lantern movie." Yes, <laughs> that would be. <laughs> Trust me, we would all enjoy that. Well, <laughs> Jeremy, what you should do, I mean. I know you probably don't have any say or power in this, but you should try and see if you can get a comic book continuation of the series, like Smallville Season 11 or something like that. That would be really cool. I know that the Green Lantern, the animated series comic, um, I know it's not necessarily... That's more kid. Uh, yeah, it is. And I don't... I don't think it sells as well either. Everybody's very, like... Uh, there's these kind of silos where nobody can touch other people in a way. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on. With that. I know that GC and Jim would love to continue on their story. And I think by the end of the season, everybody would love them to continue. <laughs> we just want more. I and razor. That's our main goal. You know, it's so funny because um, I believe Jim, uh, I could be speaking out of term, but I'm pretty sure Jim created those characters. And that's, you know, those are the first, time those characters existed and uh surprisingly as uh, i would come in to break my episodes that i wrote and us just talking about it um it has been really an amazing kind of like this relationship that's um developed and gotten people really excited about and it's, it's kind of unexpected because you know everybody thought it would be the main focus would be hal jordan he probably is the main focus but the relationship between I and Razor is becoming such a the crux of the series in a way. It really drives everything. I feel like, and uh, it's been fun to watch people react um, after the last episode after Scarred. Uh, it's been yeah. interesting to see people's theories and some people not happy with where it's going or what has happened. And uh, as a writer, it's a unique experience to have people 
both like or criticize different aspects of uh, what you've done or what you've collaborated with. Now, I only say because I'm the lowly writer on this, you know, the creative vision is really uh, Jim Craig and GC. They have really pushed it forward. So they, they'll point me in the right direction. I'll try to write according to what they want and they'll, you know, they'll help polish and give me things to, to do. Like I, I, I didn't know when I watched Scarred that the book that we found in the science director's uh, laboratory was there. Back. Back. I had, I had no idea. And I'm watching with some fans and everybody takes this big, <sighs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Like, oh, okay, sure. Well, we know where season two is going. Yeah, <laughs> that may be true. <laughs> I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about. <laughs> well, only enough. Um, only enough. That's not spoilery, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But it's been neat. I've, um, I'll, I'll just tell you a little bit. Like when I came in to uh, write. It was really fun to sit in a room with GC and Jim and Ernie and, and just break story and hear their different thoughts and how much passion they put into it. And they weren't ever settling for let's just do what, you know, the basic thing. You know, they really yeah. wanted to. And, and, you, and, and to be fair, they've been co confined to kind of the children's television standards and practices. And with that, they've been able to twist and squeeze a lot of drama and a lot of like heartfelt angst because I, I don't remember the episode it's like a world exploded you know yeah. and you're like, wow, that's, that's pretty intense for you know a kid's you know episode well that's the first episode of Superman the animated series too yeah <laughs> yeah I I know from um I was an assistant producer on the second season of Monsuno and standards and practices is a is is an albatross around uh, most people's neck uh, because oh. the guidelines with which you have to write and make sure that um, you know violence and harm to children and stuff is paramount in what you're doing. Um, it almost borders on the ridiculous sometimes. So uh, you know, I got to hand it to everybody involved to be able to make a show that is. Um, compelling and still kind of family friendly like anybody can watch it well what you guys were able to get away with with that blood scare curling scream from i mm -hmm. a few weeks ago which she yeah. got blasted by the anti-monitor yeah and i was like wow that's yeah. really deep television but great stuff as well oh it's so good how awesome was it when i turned like super bad you know she yeah. like sucked the main battery and you're like uh oh <laughs> you yeah. know? And she just went through. I, I thought that was awesome. And what was really cool about the show, and when I, I, one of the reasons I lament not having a second season, was those are the, all those three D, um, you know, CGI characters and ships and all that. That's like every episode you could use those over and over. It's not like regular two D art where you have to redraw things all the time. It's like those are actual elements that you get to keep in a catalog. And the more CGI and 3D shows continue, the more and more you can create and have a backlog so your world look fuller. And I mean, just look like Clone Wars. Um, as it goes along, it just it looks fuller and there's more and more. And uh, it's pretty remarkable what they can do now. Well, we noticed that from the pilot episode, the two-parter, uh, Beware My Power, to yeah. now. Yeah. A lot more in it. Yeah. And I remember the criticisms 
when that first episode came out, I mean, it's a different art form. People are used to seeing 2D. And so seeing a 3D superhero that's kind of done in that Bruce Tim fashion with the square jaw, you know, big, big chest, tiny waist was, was a little off-putting, but the writing was so good. But I remember Hal Jordan, like, you remember when he's flying by the train? Yeah. Yeah. Everything looked on the landscape. Yeah. it almost looked Looney Tunes sparse, like it was just like desert, you know. But there was very little, and and now where. You, but then in Homecoming, yeah, back on Earth, and there are trees, and there are buildings, and there are people, and there are everything, and it yeah. looks so much, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Yeah, no, it it, it just feels like a much more full world. Please. I yeah. think that when um, it came back in the Guy Gardner episode, yeah, I think that's the one you're talking about. Um, which was a great take on Guy Gardner, by the way. Uh, I thought that oh, was, yeah. and uh, and I remember thinking, "Oh, look, there's a bunch of people on the street. Oh, wow, that's cool. You know, <laughs> a miracle. <laughs> people on Earth? What? Like, well, it's they they got oh, they were able to CGI those people, and I just realized over time they've been able to add more and more, you know, characters to because every show has a budget, every episode has a budget, and. The cool thing about having uh, digital elements is that you can reuse those digital elements, and they've done a great they've done a great job. And I, I actually think GC is really, um, a, really a, a driving force in a lot of that. He has a lot of artistic yeah. mentality, and even in the rooms where we're breaking down story, he'll add things that I don't get. Um, to give you an example, in Blue Hope, there was that kind of tremors worm that that came yeah. out. And that wasn't something I had written in originally, and um, and he had brought it up. I was like, "Well, this is this is." And in my mind, I was like, "Well, this is strange." And <laughs> okay. um, I actually thought it, it worked really well. And then he yeah. did it again in Scarred with the um, the this kind of space turtles. Oh yeah. yes, that was cool. Yeah, and I think I had had some planet centuries uh, on the surface. And he said, you know, we should do some sort of like space whales. And I'm like, is he watching too much Planet Earth or, you know, the National yeah. Geographic? <laughs> but he has a definite like a sensibility that um, that I don't have when it comes to like looking at the screen and seeing the things the way it looks. Because obviously his work on Avatar is amazing. And oh, Cold yeah. War. And, um, and so I it's really fun when you realize that it is a very collaborative um, experience to write for a show, and 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 you can't think that you're the genius behind everything because um, these guys ahead of you have paid their dues for a lot longer, and they're and to me they're a lot more intelligent than I could ever be, and they make me look so much better, and uh, they've just been so helpful in my own writing by helping me, you know, turn a phrase and. Uh, they'll pause, hey, you know, we maybe we should move in this way. I'm like, oh, I never even thought about that. But that's what you get for working with like real professionals, and that's that's been that was a joy. That was a, a real joy to uh, be working with them. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, and well, and honestly, you're getting paid to talk. I mean, one time we were in there and we talked for like two hours about the different spectrums of the Green Lantern universe, God, and I thought, yeah. crap, I'm getting paid. This is my job. Are you? Kidding? You know, I do this at comic stores, but somebody's giving me a check for this. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, that's like everyone's dream job right there. Yeah. In the dream. Totally, totally. And, uh, you know, it's it's such a fun thing. I mean, it's ups and downs. I mean, freelance writing is, is 
Um, it is a horrible and yet wonderful thing at the same yeah. time. Um, when I started dating my wife, I had said to her early on, I said, uh, now listen, I may be a pauper the rest of my life. So uh, if that's okay with you, then we can continue this relationship. <laughs> and she was like, oh, okay. I don't know if she believed me, but. Uh... <laughs> Is that before or after you showed her the closet full of action figures and comic books? Well, that's the thing. We live in okay. California. We're a pretty big um, two-bedroom apartment, and um, we're having a child. We're having first baby, which we're excited about. And um, and you have a lot of long boxes of comic books. <laughs> uh oh, what do I do with these? You know, and I can't bring myself to, you know, destroy them or give them away. And um, so I had to start collecting them digitally, even though I kind of loathe it uh, because I don't have any room for comics anymore. You know. Well, if you absolutely have to get rid of some, <laughs> let me know. I'm still building. Yeah. That's Awesome. No, I, I also have a friend. Um, I don't know. Have you ever heard of Scott Tipton? Who? Scott Tipton, um, is a writer uh, for uh, all the Star Trek comic books, most of the Doctor Who Star Trek comic books, Doctor Who comic books. He's a fantastic comic book writer, and um, he has a comic book store out here as well and that um, is doing stellar. They actually had the, the, the guy who plays Oliver from uh, Green Arrow come in the other day. That's and, awesome. Uh, pretty neat. It's, it's called Blast Off Comics in Burbank. Really cool store. Anyway, sorry, tangenting, which I tend to do, so I apologize. We do that all the time on this podcast. It's it's not un, unnatural here. Yeah, we're uncommon. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but now you were mentioning the giant monster or the worm thing in um, Blue, Blue Hope. Hope. The whole thing about it turning out to be kind of a dog and the whole thing about the worm eating the lantern was that you or GC mm -hmm. or was that a combination because I thought that was really clever uh, the, the, him swallowing the thing at the end yes yeah. yeah so when we talked about it when he, when he brought up like hey this worm I remember us we kind of like said okay cool and I think I think the process went and it's been a couple it's been almost gosh I want to I want to say it's been almost a year and a half since this conversation but oh wow you've had it written that long yeah wow. yeah it, it's been a long time because you know that's that's been the thing I well I'm going to sidestep fast uh remember I mean when did it first air was it last not September but the September before right I mean it yeah. it, the, it was about a year ago actually when the show started airing uh on DC Nation yeah so it might have been two years ago that we wrote it because um the first season was supposed to be I mean the 26 episodes supposed to be one season <laughs> and so they split it in two and um, my two episodes were on the latter half of the season, and I was so excited for the season to be aired, and then they're like, oh, we split it into two. I'm like, what? <laughs> and back after the hiatus, and then they're like, show two episodes, and then Blue Hope was supposed to happen, and they're like, no, we're going to put it on a hiatus for a couple more months. I'm like, what are you doing to me? You know? <laughs> um, so it's been a couple of years, but I, what I recall was the GC would have, I think we originally had some alien Venus flytrap or like a, no, it was, it was like a plant. It was like a sentient plant that was messing with Razor at the beginning. And then GC said something about having uh, a worm, 
uh, uh, and and then we all started coming up, like talking about underground tunnels and how that could fit in. And originally, I think the first draft was that the worm didn't come up and eat the lantern. It was like the worm uh, dug a hole underneath the lantern. And there was this kind of like, we were going to have this thing where Hal said something about a magic trick. And at the end, it looked like, oh, the lantern disappeared or something in the, the Manhunters pooled or whatever. But, um, you know, Sam Liu, I think, who directed that episode, um, and I think probably in post, they went ahead and said, hey, we're, we're running out of time, <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah. that, and this is going to be a much more cinematic look to having that worm come up and eat it, which I thought was really cool. The the dog thing, I'm tr- I don't remember who, because tri- after a while, it's like everybody contributes so many ideas. You're like, well, I don't know who did that or yeah. who did what. But um, that was that was just funny. And if I were, were to get, that's it's definitely like either a Jim Creed or Ernie kind of hilarity. They love to kind of tweak expectations and do things that are really funny, you know? Yes. And, that's been kind of one of the great things about Green Lantern. It's like, as much as there's drama, there's a lot of like humor as well. Especially in Babel. That yeah. was an episode that really surprised me at how funny it was. Oh, gosh. I remember watching it, and uh, I was sitting in Jim's office, and, and I, was, I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is awesome, because how many times do... I, I've only seen something like that broached on another sci-fi show was Farscape, but um, it... You know, everybody has a universal translator or translator microbes, and and just to see them like address like these guys speaking in different languages cracked me up. I thought that was really neat. So, but going off what you said before about how you've had this episode done for over a year, does that mean you guys have more episodes written that we'll never see? No. Um, the way it works is that they do. You know, you do your you do your you know some studio said like Cartoon Network says, hey, we'll give you 26 episodes. So you do the 26 episodes, and they go and animate it and put every, all the finishing touches on it, and um, then you kind of wait and see if they want to do a second season. Uh-huh. If they do a second season, then then you know your ace is to go. But I think I think after Green Lantern the movie uh, failed as like it did. And I mean fail. Like I listen. I'm going to be honest. I kind of enjoyed it. I didn't think it was the worst thing ever to happen. I agree. Yeah. And uh, people, people were like, "Oh, it's abysmal," and uh, I didn't think that. But I don't think it was kid friendly enough to sell toys, which I think they were hoping, and it didn't do the box office they wanted to do. So, yeah. That being said, it was too short. Like everything in television, you wait until the money people say, "Hey, we want you to do another thing," you know. So that call just never came. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, hey, I know. Firefly, people. Firefly, that's all I'm saying. Well, you guys got better every week like Firefly. Because yeah. it's like you're going to pull the plug on these guys and they're this good and they're doing this kind of a job. It's I like, jeez. Like how how good is the music by Frederick Weidman? I mean, it's oh, yeah. uh, it's really good music. I, I went and got the CD and, and I was like, man, this is this is pretty epic soundtrack and the theme is fantastic yeah it's great i love the theme like if i had to pick a green lantern theme that'd be it absolutely well it was fun to it's fun to see it all come together and hear and you like read people talking about um i don't like hal jordan but i like hal jordan now you know yeah yes and 
um, that was definitely, I was more of a Kyle Rayner guy. And um, Hal was never somebody that, I don't know, you know, that I really was excited over. I was, I'll take it back. I was more of a Guy Gardner guy because I was a big fan of the Justice League International. And, oh, nice. And I thought, Guy Gardner is the greatest horrible person ever. And, <laughs> and, but it's been fun to see people go, wow, I, I really like uh, Hal Jordan. You know, even though he can't take a space squirrel in a fight, he's a cool guy. <laughs> well, I think part of that, too, comes from their experience with the movie and that now seeing him in this, it's completely different how they write him. Yeah, it really is. And I think he, he's more of a, you know, in this, he's more of that hot shot top gun, uh, you know, a little bit cocky, but still a really good guy. And uh, I never, I didn't get that from the movie, really, you know. In the movie, yeah. it just felt like Ryan Reynolds with the Green Lantern ring. Yeah. It's like uh, Ben Affleck with a Daredevil suit. You're just like, well, it's Ben Affleck. You know, you know, it's just. Well, I kind of like that movie, actually. <laughs> I, I actually like that movie. The thing about it was it was, it was at the height of Ben Affleck. Like, he was this huge star, and I kept, I couldn't separate it, you know? Yeah. I was yeah. running that superheroes work better when they're, they're played by people that don't necessarily you have a frame of reference like christopher reeve as superman is is freaking superman you know um and you had uh uh, hugh jackman as wolverine no one had heard about hugh jackman before yeah and all these different people that you know wesley snipes is blade it's like uh, (laughs) even bale to an extent is batman yeah because a lot of the you know like um uh, Toby Maguire is Spider-Man. He had done some dramatic roles, but but only known in that kind of a dramatic. Like the world at large wasn't like, oh yeah, Toby Maguire. You know, um, I think it's harder when it's somebody that's extremely famous goes into a role that people already know because it's it's hard to separate the two. You know, how about yeah. uh, Phil Morris's uh, Saint Walker or Martian Manhunter? Yeah. Well, yeah, that was awesome uh, because okay. that's what—that's my immediate response was when I went in the voiceover room. They let me watch it being recorded. I was like, "Holy crap, Marsh Hander!" Like, yes. I, I, yes. that's, that's like my only frame reference. And uh, and he is extremely. I have this cool picture with everybody, and uh, he was really cool. All the voice actors were cool, and you know, the scarred was voiced by Ursa from Superman Two, which I was no I, way, really. I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah, and I kept thinking I need to get a picture of us arm wrestling. Like I just, you know, but Did but you, I you should have totally got that. I know, okay. but you know, you try to be professional too. And I'm, I am, I. There are times like I have met some very famous people, and I don't, I, I react well. But yeah. when I meet somebody like Sam Raimi or Joss Whedon, I cannot speak at all. I'm horrible. <laughs> I'm a complete loser. And it's like, I, I, when I first moved out here, I worked at Blockbuster, and I remember Lou Ferrigno walking in, and I'm just like, holy cow, the Incredible Hulk is yeah. in the store. Like, you know, and I, and I, I walked up and shook his hand, and my hand looks like a baby hand inside his head. And I just kept thinking, I'm shaking the Incredible Hulk's hand, and this is the weirdest thing ever. Like, it was just, it was so funny. Dan and I had that same exact experience at Comic-Con a few years ago. Yeah, we met Luke Ferrigno as well. Oh, my gosh. He's a huge guy. Huge! He's huge. (laughs) Uh, you know, I'm excited about Comic-Con this year. Last year was a lot of fun, um, and uh, it was really fun to kind of uh, meet people and and just have I, – you know, I used to go all the time, and then it got so big, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to go anymore. 
but uh, uh, now with that professional badge, man, <laughs> yes. it's, it's a lot of fun. I went to the the Flog uh, uh, headquarters where they were doing the Geek and Sunder stuff, Leisha Day's thing. Nice. That was a lot of fun, too. It was really fun to, to hang out with like-minded people all over, you know? Well, we need to uh, hook you up with some of our folks that we've got from our podcast that will be going down. To oh, yeah. As well. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm excited. This year's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I told G- GC and Jim, it's like, man, it's going to – I wish that they could get a panel going. Just a kind of like postscript Green Lantern animated series panel would be awesome. To give yeah. everyone some relief. Yeah, I, yes. I, I just ask questions where it might go, might, might have gone, etc. I think people should clamor for that. Uh, I think that would be a really cool thing, but I don't think they can do it unless it looks like fans would be excited about it. You know? Yeah, I hope they do the same. I, if they did that, I would hope they do the same for Young Justice because I think that's going to end with Dark Side and them coming, and that's how it's going to oh. end. That's going to be brutal. Because, that will be very <laughs> brutal. Well, and. And like young, oh. I like I'm a Blue Beetle fan, and I I'm a Ted Cord specifically Blue Beetle fan. Like the Steve Ditko Ted Cord stuff, uh, that was like some of the first stuff I ever read. And so I was heartbroken when they killed him off. Jeff Johns killed him off. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, um, an Infinite Crisis, which doesn't even matter anymore because that's not uh, a timeline that exists. I think I'm not sure. It's very no, it, it's not. It, it does not not anymore. And um, I'm a big, you know, big Blue Beetle fan. Now, when they brought Jaime Reyes, when they created him, I thought I was I was not happy, mainly just because I wanted Ted Cord. But I've grown to really like him, like a lot. And um, and and the way that they've done Young Justice, and when they did that time skip in Young Justice, I was like, oh, this is this is really cool, <laughs> you know. Well, and then they had him on Smallville too. Yes. And that was uh, that. Was, they were supposed to spin that off. They wanted to spin that off into a. Uh, it's his own show. Yeah, sci-fi series. I thought. Yeah, I thought that would have been cool too. But you know, what do I know? So yeah, right. <laughs> because I think Jaime Reyes. I think that's a great character. It definitely has that kind of Captain Marvel feel, where it's like a kid with superpowers. And um, I, yeah, I, I loved. And Young Justice is great. I'm a big fan of the comic book. Uh, I was a big right. fan of you know peter david and they they did this whole post exposition scene in this last episode of just blue beetle stuff so i was in hog heaven i was like oh man they're mentioning dan garrett oh man you know uh, (laughs) well they showed ted cord in his full glory in the last episode yeah it was great because they had ted cord fighting slade and sportsmaster and somebody said they're like man ted cord is a bad mofo i'm like yeah he is Uh, that's a cooler way to go uh, out too Right, and uh, Jim Creek wrote an episode of Batman Brave and the Bold where it was, um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to forget his name. I, I wanted to say Wesley Crusher voiced uh, Ted Cord, but... Um, uh, you mean Will Wheaton? What is his name? Yes, Will Wheaton it voiced yeah. the, the voice of Ted Cord, and it's this great episode of Batman Brave and the Bold where Jaime Reyes is there. You know, he's he's the Blue Beetle, and Batman tells the story of the how Ted he died. Yeah, and it's great. It's fantastic. And, of course, Jeff Johns also redeemed himself along with um, Jeff Katz in uh, the first arc of the Booster Gold series, the comic book series, um, where uh, Blue Beetle comes back, and they figure it's going to be a paradox unless he goes back to have Max Lord shoot him in the head. So he supposedly goes back, 
but there's a frame at the end where uh, somebody had access to the security system and there's a shadow and you hear wah ha 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 and I'm like holy crap Ted Court's alive like, I'm like oh, I'll hold on to for all my days <laughs> so Dan where did you want to go now well, I wanted to ask, you know, he's, uh, Jeremy, you were talking about meeting the cast of the, the Blue Hope episode and everything like that. Yeah. Was it intentional to bring together all those actors who appeared on Seinfeld for that episode, or was it just a uh, coincidence? No, those two were there. It, was, it, it is funny, because the, now that you yeah. mention it, it's like, oh, yeah, they were on Seinfeld. <laughs> I'm dumb. Uh, because I was so... I was in a position where I got to go watch a record of something I wrote. And I, you know, to be honest, I was just kind of overwhelmed. I just had to kind of be there and be quiet. And I'm watching these people say things that I, I put down on paper. And it's, and it's, it's like, and they're, they're really good and they're funny. And that's what I, one of the things that I wish most people that are fans of cartoons could see is the stuff that can't be seen. <laughs> it's, is the fact that a lot of these voice actors um, are actors and, and they do a lot of physical stuff while they say words or when they decide to go off book and just do something completely uh, crazy or, or, you know, maybe it's a kid's cartoon and they say a couple cuss words in that character's voice. <laughs> it's the funniest thing ever. And you just, you cannot help but start laughing hysterically because you're like, Oh my gosh, Kilowog is just dropping f bombs, and that's really funny, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. Guys, a it's huge Kilowog fan, I would be on the floor, cracking up laughing. Yeah, I mean, it, because it's so out of the ordinary, you're like, "What? Huh?" <laughs> that's pretty hilarious. Yes, that's called bringing a video camera to work that day. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's called never work in this town again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Well, kind of going more into, the, I guess, the depths of the episode Blue Hope and what was going on. Um, again, you said a lot of the ideas you guys come up with as a team effort. Yeah. Now, was this the beginning of where the idea for Dark Aya came about? Or was it always intended to happen? Or uh, um, I believe that it, there was an intention for that to be kind of the second arc of the series. Um, there's an element of like trying to get the audience very invested in a character, and then uh, what do you do with that character? You know, um, the best example is like if you did follow Angel, there was this whole arc of Wesley, uh, the rogue demon hunter, falling in love yep. with Winifred Urkel. And they gave, it was like a couple of years, and then they gave them that moment and then immediately pulled it back. Oh, that and episode kills me. It, yeah, it's horrible because you're like, oh, they're so happy. And, and then suddenly she coughs up blood and, and you're like, what? No, <laughs> you know? And um, I think that was, I think at that point, the, the intention was that people knew that this relationship between Razor and Aya was going to happen. And in order to continue the story, you ha can't just give people that, you know, yeah. you, you want them to be invested in that story. You want Sam and Diane to get together, but you can't do it yet. You know, you want Castle and Beckett to get together, but you can't, you know. And um, so having these two, like Blue Hope, I got the, we got to explore. I thought Blue Hope was really philosophical and um, there was yeah. a lot of 
the great moments, like when they're having a conversation with the robot in the cave and, you know, they're talking about what is real. Like, I mean, what's what's life? What's good? What's evil? You know, they're having this whole conversation. And then we get to see her develop emotions in a way that the Manhunters can detect. And um, and, and Razor I, flips out. <laughs> and Razor flips out. And, and, and that's been kind of an interesting thing because I've been wa- reading people that are kind of upset by the idea that Aya has a spark of life inside her from Ion, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I don't actually think that changes anything. I think we all no. knew that Aya was something special. Aya is a living being, whether or not anybody was willing to accept it or not. And, and I that think, just proves it. Exactly. I think what it yeah. changes is, it, it, you know, Razor's story is a different story. It's like this robot that sort of looks like his dead wife and and should i be having feelings toward this you know or or you know then well she's alive and coming to grips with it but you know she comes back all dissembled and whoa that freaked me out and you know it's like he's having a roller coaster of emotions too and i have a little bit of sympathy for that character because it's gotta be hard right and and i just this being that's that literally in its you know nascent months of existence and is trying like finding out about love finding out about hurt and pain and all this stuff and so people you know kind of get upset well she, you know i'd rather see her be a robot that somehow evolves like she's something else entirely uh we already established in blue hope that robots by themselves may not be able to evolve or the manhunters would, you know, yeah. the manhunters are, and now this of course is just my own take on it. I'm sure Jim and GC have different ideas about it, but we talked about all that stuff. And when we, when blue hope was happening, you know, the story arc, we had already talked about where it was going and everybody setting, setting the audience up for the big, you know, wind up punch. That's like, Oh yeah. Look, she's got emotion. She's great. She's wonderful. And, you know, Jim and GC did a whole thing and, and ripped it away from everyone. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know that you're, you know, praising Jeff Johns quite a bit throughout this podcast and beforehand. Yep. But you guys with Blue Hope and, and all the background, God, the Manhunters, I thought added a depth to those characters that he really did reach upon yeah. when he made all of his changes and whatnot. Uh, with the Blackest Night, I know he added a lot more depth to a lot of the villains of the weaker parts of the yeah. Green Lantern universe, and I felt like with Blue Hope, what you guys with the, did with the Manhunters was kind of your show's own way of doing that. That was cool. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really refining the essence of, and we had a big discussion. I remember, right, I think the first draft that I turned in, it, there was a lot more dialogue in the cave, um, the philosophical dialogue, and because those are... Uh, that's philosophy. I, I like to uh, bat back and forth with my friends. And I remember us talking about it, like, this is a real moment to streamline what this is about. Uh, Manhunters have a very, uh, a prime directive, and, and but it all comes from the fact that, you know, listen, you know, emotions are bad. You know, life is, it all comes from like, life is hard. And what do you do with that? You know, yeah. uh, you either embrace it, the good and the bad, or you eradicate it. <laughs> you know, so um, it's interesting to see 
that kind of it's sort of like the sentinels in marvel universe you know it's like in the days of future past that first ep- that, that comic it was it was the sentinels were just supposed to take out the x gene but then their programming took it to the next level you know you uh I, i'm a logic wonk as it is and so to hear have these manhunters talk about and i think we even talked about it in um scarred where i is talking about well emotions are bad so they're you know it causes pain, so well, I need to get rid of all emotion. It's like it's a very logical argument, you know. Yeah. Well, please tell me that you watch Fringe. Okay. Do not hate me, okay. but I I watched. I see now. I'm curious how much I need to spoil. But I watched the the parallel universe, and then um, for whatever reason, I got pulled away the last I think year and a half. Okay. So I watched the real good nitty gritty. You know, it hit its, its like final thing. So, unfortunately, so don't spoil it for me. Or no, I'll I'm just go- saying it, it was a lot of those type of philosophies really? and and that high concept writing that they used on this show. I thought you guys did a great job of bringing it into the Green Lantern episode, especially with it being a kids show. Yeah, and that yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think we streamlined it down enough that um, not every kid's going to get that argument. You know, they'll, they'll get some of it, but it's also something that, like, some older watchers will be able to get, and there's something for everybody. And it's, uh, people know, it's like, oh, Aya has been, her love has been spurned, so she's going to shut that down, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think everybody, those are universal concepts that people get. Well, I think it's just, yeah. Well, I said you also uh, pulled the, when in doubt, just use Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, I have this running theory that any geek and nerd that gets together, it uh, the conversation starts in a lot of different places, but it always ends up in Star Wars. Like it yes. doesn't, it doesn't. It, you know, it starts. We're oh yeah, this, that, and the other, and then suddenly, just like now, we've come back to Star Wars <laughs> because because that is kind of like our. If if we were all a Venn diagram, I feel like we'd all like you know intersect right on Star Wars. Yes. Easily, that's like the source of everything. Yeah, I'm. Listen, when I heard that Disney bought uh, Lucasfilm doing Star Wars, I was excited. I really am excited because, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of the prequels, and um, I'm really excited just to see more live action lightsaber battles. Is I don't, you know, yeah. I have three lightsabers sitting next to me right now. So (laughs) you lucky. Yes, my wife lets me keep some nerdy things around the house. It's, it's quite uh, wonderful. I've been spending my relationship with her trying to brainwash her. So now uh, she has, uh, you know, she has, become, she probably knows more about uh, superhero and geeky things than most people. We were playing some game and and somebody, the, the card was, who would you rather be hunted down by, Batman or Wonder Woman? And she said, well, it depends on which of the 52 universes. And I'm like, I'm in love with you. <laughs> yes. It's the fact that you are a girl and know that just makes it awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. You have done well, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> Considering when I first met her, she's like, I don't understand anything. Like, you know, I, I, it's the, I, I started her on Firefly, and that was kind of like the gateway drug. And then it was like, you know, Buffy and Angel. And then suddenly she's watching Farscape with me. And I'm like, okay. And then Doctor Who, you know, it's like, oh. oh so. Doctor Who, that's another favorite of ours here. Dude, Look at our podcast. Nutcase. Nut, nut <laughs> 
That's my co-host on our regular Across the Airways podcast. Keys all oh. over Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I think the does the new season start this month or? Yeah, it's it... soon. Oh, man, I can't wait. I'm I love pumped. the whole, the Christmas special was great. Um, I wish they would have left the ponds. I wish they. I didn't like how they ended the pond arc at all. But um, I love Matt Smith as the doctor. I, you know, I love it all. I'm a doctor nut. I really am. Well, moving away from Doctor Who, (laughs) Michael doesn't watch it. (laughs) Oh, well, Michael, that's your fault, isn't it? (laughs) That's that sounds like a personal problem. Yes. Well, one of us in this room is, has a problem, and it's not me, and it's not Dan. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure uh, Dan has some problems. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say anything about the guest, Dan. I'm sorry. I know, I know. <laughs> but should we go into Scarred now, probably more? Yes. Sure, let's do it. <laughs> yes, but I had to mention the Star Wars reference, because I was like, that's so awesome at the end of Blue Hope, that Jeremy yeah. referenced Star Wars. Yeah, well, uh, Star Wars is a wonderful, wonderful thing. <laughs> yes. And everyone should watch it. Yes. Everyone. Including yeah, Andy Mabon. My order. <laughs> now, with the episode Scarred, uh, yeah, with the episode Scarred, uh, what we're supposed to be covering. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. You know, Michael and I, Jeremy, felt with the show got be canceled that you know w- you know we were we we're thinking that we were going to get to see maybe glimpses of the blackest light storyline mm-hmm. coming to us and we we're going to get to see it and really i mean you really surprised us here by us getting to see scar get her full evil glory right it's evil glory it yes, is evil glory. glory. Yes, they they have hinted about things that I think they wanted to go, and um, and it's too bad. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. really is. Well, I said last week at the end, of, the season's going to end with Aya's anti-monitor body flying to some planet, and then around it forming a big black lantern. Well, if you're expecting me to give you any hints on how it's going to end, you are sadly mistaken, buddy. <laughs> now, did you guys get an opportunity to tweak it? Or change anything before um, it was canceled, so, or was it already in the can? So what? Um, basically, you tweak it. You mean after we knew that it was not going to be on? Yeah, like if you know you knew the show got canceled, and you, you know, retool no. the plotline. Okay. No, because we go through um, when you're writing uh, for cartoons. At least my experience has been there are several different uh, approval processes you have to go to. And when you get to, you know, like you have certain producers and people give notes and you go back and integrate them and maybe some other notes and you integrate them and then you get down to your fine-tuned thing. And then when you hand it over and you give it to, you know, it's in the voice record session, they'll make some changes there. But generally, at that point, it's pretty locked because you have to have it pretty locked in order to do, you know, the CGI, you know, and, and all that stuff. Now, after, but that's that's the fourth site of uh, Jim GC and Ernie is like they. I, I, I'm trying not to give anything away, but they told a really good story, and um, I think that that people will be 
I, well, I think people are going to be mad no matter what, just because it's going to be over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but at the same time, I, I think that they, I think they told a story. I think they told a story. So I don't know. I don't know. You can take that any way you want, but no, we didn't get to tweak it. It's just, it's just that um, I think that they also left room for places to go. Yeah, which, it's definitely a cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. Which would be, you know, great. So. <laughs> I didn't help anybody there. No, you just like confirmed everyone's worst fears right there. No, I didn't. I didn't say it was a cliffhanger. Don't tell me that. You you said you left it open. You know what that means. I just meant that you know it's like it's like let's put it this way, the 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 season as a whole, or the first two seasons, I guess we'll we'll say it is split into two. In the first season, um, it tells kind of a it tells a story like the interceptors yeah. lost here and it's come back but it also started giving you little bits of other stuff that was going on and so that it could continue the story and i felt like you know whether it was the relationship of aya and razor or whatever i or the talking about orum in the first season and then bring it back as in the missile in the second season i think that they're very clever in being able to tell stories but leaving enough room that if they could go on they would you know, that makes sense. Yes, I understand now. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, I don't want anybody to think, you know, I'm giving any spoilers because honestly, I'm not. No, you're <laughs> not. not. Not at all. Let's just say Batman shows up. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. We were the uh, Batman crossover. Let's yeah. go. Okay, now there was a joke in Scar that we bat. I I think I originally wrote it down, and then I think Jim polished it, but we it was taken out. And there was a moment where Kilowog goes into the um, underground hidden layer of, you know, Scar and says, like, who would hide all this stuff or something? And and we had Hal Jordan says, oh, I know a guy or something. <laughs> no. it was like, and I was, like, really hoping they'd keep that in, but they did not, unfortunately. Oh. It was like, who would, who would have all this technology and all this stuff hidden from everybody? And it was like, oh, I know. You'd be surprised yeah. or something. <laughs> You, you you get uh, you know you get five gold stars right now for just putting that in there. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty funny. It was pretty hilarious. And I talk, I'll see if I can find it. <laughs> that's almost up there with Brian Kubler wanting to put Gorilla Grodd in the Smallville comics. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that would be. Imagine if they would have put that in actual Smallville. <laughs> he got Mister Mala in the brain in the comic, but. Yeah. That's wild, you know. It turned out pretty well, actually. Oh, believe cool. it or not. Yeah, they attack Paris, too, so they're in the right <laughs> setting. Awesome. That's awesome. But uh, with with Scarred, big question on everyone's mind that they're debating about is, was Scar corrupted and evil in this episode because of her exposure to the Anti-Monitor? Or is it in your head that she's just inherently evil uh it's in my head that she it's not i don't think that anybody that's a villain thinks they're a villain like i think they think they're the heroes of their own story right uh so like as far as scar i think that she you know she's one of those i i think we know from just talking about what she what she said earlier about how oh yeah all the guardians uh withdrew their powers but uh I didn't, you know, she, she kept hold of stuff. And is it, is it because she thinks she just knows better than people? 
those type of people, I think, are inherently evil, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, she is kind of power hungry and doing what she wants. I, I don't want to say that she's evil, or at least she, she doesn't think she's evil. She thinks that she knows better. And because of that, she's not willing to give up on power. She's she's willing to explore. I mean, think about what she... Okay, we saw the book in her, her laboratory. But more than that, she went beyond the Guardian's um, requirements to build a, you know, an AI that could do a better job than Manhunters. And she went out and stole some life force that none of the, you know... None of the guardians knew she was doing that. You can tell in the yeah. animation, looking over her shoulder, like uh, doo, 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 you know, <laughs> she's willing to just do whatever she wants to push the bounds of power. And then immediately, when Aya in her like proto Aya state was like, "No, you're not. You're not going to shut me down." Like when when she she doesn't get that respect of being the all powerful being, she freaks out and she she you know shut it down. She's she's an egocentric power hog i think <laughs> so now I'm, I'm assuming in that scene that you're talking about the flashback where she created aya when yeah. she thinks she destroys aya or whatever does that mean is that when aya downloaded herself to the interceptor um yes i think so no uh we are talking about when uh aya we thought she was dead the first time in the maelstrom <laughs> No, no, I'm talking about um, in the flashbacks where she was created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think, I think, no, I think she shut her down like, oh, you know, uh, she, like Hal said, uh, oh, we firewall, you firewalled her emotions. So she basically, she did what Aya ended up doing to herself. And that okay. is, you know, going, oh, okay, so once I turn on this, uh, you know, allowed these emotions to be present, she became, like, this feeling entity that wanted to do all this stuff. And so Hal says, like, oh, you firewalled her emotions. Goes, yep, and I put her in the interceptor. So, uh, you know, we still got all that uh, processing power, but there's this little block from the emotions. So, anyways. Got it. Yeah. And I liked how the crew got her out of that funk or broke down yeah. the firewall. Yeah. And um, I think that they'll play a little more with that in the next couple episodes. I'm yeah. not sure. Are they doing? Are, are they doing it a two-parter or is it just? I think they're just two separate episodes uh, this yep. Saturday and next. Oh man! <laughs> uh, yeah. All right then. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling we're gonna have a long week next week, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> just, so now, I mean, Ion is clearly in the power battery. So uh -huh. does that mean Parallax is potentially in that battery with him? Uh, if, if the I'm, story would have maybe continued? I'm, I'm sure, you know, I read somebody put that, said that, and I was like, wow, that's, that's really smart. That's not something I thought of. I mean, it might have been something they thought about, but um, uh, I didn't think about that until somebody brought it up, and I was like, holy cow, that's that's... That's awesome, and I bet I bet somebody would have brought. I bet GC or Jim probably had that in the mind, like, oh, that's another thread we could follow if if we could continue on, you know? Yeah, because that's how Jeff Johns explains it in Greenland and Rebirth. So I was wondering, based off of Ion being in there, if he was too. Yeah, I mean that was a really smart way that Johns did that because he, you know, he wanted to he wanted to bring back Hal Jordan and somehow absolve him of 
killing everyone, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I thought that was a really, really smart, smart idea. But um, I'm not going to read. I'm not going to go too much in that because other people have a lot of theories and the series isn't over. So I don't want to spoil anything for those people or not. <laughs> you know, so. Got it. <laughs> so, yeah, well, Michael and I had this horrible vision that the series is going to end with basically Parallax, them having to use the power battery to stop Dark Aya. And then after that, uh, the, the battery's going to burst and Parallax is going to come out and give Sinestro a yellow ring. So that was our frightening cliffhanger we thought we are going to get to the show. Interesting. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> if I told, you know, the thing is, if I said it, you guys would be so mad. If I like spoiled it, you're like, no, this is horrible. Why did you tell it? No, to me? we're just throwing these out there. We don't want you to say it either. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Do and we don't. But we, I know, I know. More. We, we won't more. disown you. Don't worry. Yeah, I, we won't I mean, come after you. I'm excited to see uh, what everybody thinks. I mean, I'm going to be on Twitter and Tumblr being like, okay, let's see who's, you know, saying what, because this will be very interesting. Oh, yeah, no kidding. That's all I can do watching it on Saturday mornings. That's why I have to watch it both airings, because I'm like, I can't concentrate the first airing because I'm on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's totally the same way with me. Yeah, I'm like, wow, what, wait, what, okay. I won't, I won't look at the Twitter until after I watch it because I don't want to get spoiled. Yeah, that that is something that's you know that can happen. Something, that is an issue. Yes. It is fun to see people really excited though. I mean, people are just like completely bananas, which is awesome. You know, like the fan art on Tumblr and all that. Oh, some of that is just a little too much, man. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like some of the Razor Eyes stuff, just a little too much. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of uh, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. girls. Exit. Yeah. But well, we also we also really liked how you gave Lanos a really heroic ending, and at the end of it, we were like, okay, we don't hate him anymore. Give him back. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of cool. And and uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, that was that was not me. I wish it was. I really wish it was. Um, because the way that I had it, um, Hal ends up shooting the interceptor off and it's it spears aya and takes her away and hal does this like heroic exit and i believe jim wrote it in he's like you know we should do something here and just that line and that tells you how good the people are on the show that aren't satisfied with like one scene the way it played um that one line was just like it redeemed him as a character like now yeah. people are gonna be like oh my gosh lanos is really great don't you talk bad about later he's awesome he's no longer lame you know and, uh He's Even not Lamos anymore. He's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's like I've got. I'll take it from here. And the way, and I think in in lesser hands, like it was, it was just said in the right way. It wasn't too much over the top. Like, oh, look at me. It was just said in the right way. That's like I'll do it. You know. And uh, I thought that was really, really cool. Now, could he have been an AI like Aya and have emotions, which is why he did that? Well, I don't know. I guess I, I'll leave that up to the audience. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, okay, then. Kids, kids, kids. It really depends. I mean, you know, we've had, like, these discussions have gone around, like, comic bookdom, Red Tornado, you know, I think Red Tornado a lot, uh, you know, car- robots becoming sentient beings, and it's the Pinocchio thing, you know? It's like, oh, I'm a real boy now, you know? Am I not a real boy? Like, what makes you real? What makes you a living entity? And... um 
And is it is it is there something inherently living that makes you an entity? Because there are a lot of horrible living people out there that you know you yeah. can say are not living or are are you know are worse than the manhunters. Um, for whatever reason, you know, I think it, like to the point that some people were mad that Aya had this living spark and and oh we wanted her to just be a robot that gained sentience. It's like well. I don't think it matters in the end. It's that she is alive. I think we all know she's alive. I think them bringing up the fact that she is a living being because of this spark or, or you know, whatever, is just a way to try to convince Scar and everybody, like, you can't kill her. You know, you can't kill her. She's a living being, and here's the proof. You know, she's she's got blood or a heart or whatever. Yeah. So. I don't know. I think that's it's still it's still such a compelling arc uh, for these characters, and uh, and boy, wait till we see how it ends. Well, it's something that I never thought would be in Green Lantern comic books to the degree that it was in this story. Yeah, out of the I, show in general. I agree with you. I think I think one of the lasting great things about the show is that there are these two unique characters that did not exist beforehand that will exist now. And I and I, I don't I don't actually know if they've incorporated them into the mainstream continuity, but I think that at some point they will be and people will be able to see them in different venues and hopefully whoever writes them doesn't screw it up. <laughs> well they're they kind of did with Aya and War of the Green Lanterns, but it was like a one issue thing and then the interceptors destroyed so it doesn't really matter and that was you know a different universe and well no it still counts because all the green lantern stuff crossed over to the new 52 well you can kind of sneak well you can it. you can retcon that if you want but i want it bad enough we will michael okay yeah, yes. yeah. that's what i'm hoping i'm hoping that like people you know i because eventually people that used to watch or watch the show i'm sure there'll be somebody that gets to start you know, writing some of those episodes or comics, and they'll be like, you know what, I want to bring back Eye and Razor, and everybody's gonna be like, heck yeah, let's do this thing, you know. Well, uh, and there's that Red Lanterns book now. That would be the perfect place to bring Razor in. I I agree. It would be really fun. It's I mean, the whole job of people in create, I feel, in creative environments is to add more toys to the toy box. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's like it's like uh, when I walked into the writing room. And I looked up and I saw that Jim had put, um, you know, different characters that he modeled uh, Hal Jordan out. You know, you saw like a Captain Kirk. You saw like a Spock. You saw like a, you know, there's different elements of Star Trek within this this show. And even the Interstellar, which is just such yeah. a super cool, you know, vehicle. You're like, dude, this is a great thing. These Green Lanterns have a ship. They have a headquarters. This is a really cool thing. I was you know? so opposed to that when you guys first brought that into the show, though. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, Green Lantern doesn't need a ship. What is this? Because it is change. And we geeks yeah. and nerds do not like change. <laughs> you guys handle like change well, though. Yeah. I mean, but once we get it and we like it, then it's like, heaven help you if you try to change it again. <laughs> <laughs> like Superman in the New 52. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, Action it, Comics one. I was like, "Are you serious?" Or like yeah. someone scaring the crap out of me at the end of a certain episode that Kellogg and Razor was going to die. Yeah. yeah. It's and... it's it's fun to keep people guessing. I mean, it's like <laughs> I remember when I saw the reboot of the Star Trek movie, and I remember going thinking, 
oh gosh, I hate reboots and I hate prequels and I hate. And then when they establish that kind of like, oh, it's an alternative timeline, I'm like, well, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yes. You know? You know, I'm fine now because you've given me my cake and I can eat it too, you know? That was my gateway into Star Trek. Really? I, yeah. I did not like Star Trek before. I just thought it was too corny, too whatever. Right. I watched that movie and I'm like, okay, when is the second coming out? Yeah, well, growing up with Star Trek and, um, uh, you know, it was never a thing that people were like, it was not well received that I liked Star Trek or... You know, it was like me liking Dungeons and Dragons or something. You know, it was like people looked down upon it. So it was amusing to me to be in a time in our lives where it's like Star Trek's coming out. And people are like, yeah, this is great. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. Like when I was growing up, you would have put my head in the toilet if I said I like Star Trek. And now everybody's like, Star Trek is awesome. I'm like, man, things have changed drastically. <laughs> but the world's a better place for it. It is a better place for it. I agree. I agree. But now we get our heads in the toilet for somewhat liking the Green Lantern movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Yeah. But, it really is. Uh, I will tell you, Jeremy, you scared me to death when that explosion happened with Razor. Oh, really? It. Yeah. Are I was you... just like, oh, no. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You got me. The thing is with this show, I think, is you get that uncomfortable feeling that no one's safe, you know? Yes. And it's it's the thing that, like, you know, we talked about about Joss Whedon or, like, Walking Dead or, you know, Vampire Diaries. You know, there's a lot of characters that you're like, well, he could die. Like, the show is not called, you know, Kilowog and Razor. It's yeah. not called, I, you know, it's like people can really just perish. And that, I think, is good. As a viewer, you need those stakes because if you don't think it's real, if you don't think somebody's going to be able to die, then you're bored. You're well, just totally bored. Well, and they brought in Guy Gardner, so people were saying, well, what if they kill Hal now? Yeah. yeah. If they get rid of him, what's going to – and then the anti-monitor blasted him the next episode, and he was gone. And then the hiatus happened, so we were freaking out. <laughs> we were like, is it going to be Guy Gardner now? Yeah. I mean, and that's that's the great thing is because I feel like for a kids' show, especially, it's like you get that impression that they're willing to not pull the punches, and I think they were very deliberate about that and deliberate about. Um, I know in the writers' room and talking with them, there was this, uh, you know, it's just like watching Avatar. You get a feeling that there's real stakes involved, and I think oh, that's yeah. critical any good story to be told because if you don't think real stakes are involved then you don't care you do not care no not at all so dan i mean what do we want to ask anything else well the thing i want to ask you jeremy what's next for you we'll give you a little uh, bit of publicity here well uh i had i had taken over i had started assistant producing on monsuno which is on nicktoons and it's a it's a younger kids show sounds like a good uh, gig though yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, so I was I helped with that and and the third season, and um, beyond that, I'm just uh, I'm just trying to do some. I can't talk about everything. You know, when you're working for the new stuff you're putting together or you're you're going after, it's always in a state of very fragile flux. So you can't yeah. talk about it until it's, like, solid. But I have some really cool stuff going on. And otherwise, you know, y you guys can find me on Twitter and and uh, every social media outlet known to man I'm on. <laughs> nice. Talking about 
nerdy stuff. Um, but after Monsuno, you know, I've, I've got a couple projects that I'm trying to to work on, and and hopefully they'll come out soon, and people will enjoy them. Hopefully, being a part of the Green Lantern continuation comic. Uh, <laughs> I, I would love to trust me. Listen, I've got a life goals list, and writing comic books is one of them. My my dad used to be an artist for DC back in the seventies, and oh, wow. uh, so I grew up with some of that comic books. And he didn't do it for long, but wait, uh, who was he? His name was Michael Adams. He did a um, a comic called Ghosts and Doctor Thirteen, and um, and it was like an old school seventies DC comic, and uh, and I grew up with comic books, and uh, you know, I would love obviously to write a comic that that would be and i'm working on some of that so <laughs> we'll awesome. see if any of that comes to fruition well can you answer if there's any dc projects go ahead for you uh, there are no dc projects at the moment uh there are some that i'm trying to work on and hopefully are responding to well enough that i can go move forward with it but uh as of now there are not unfortunately well definitely that's cool well we definitely we want to yeah. say get touch with you and stay updated on what you're working on and things absolutely. like that going because obviously we all have a lot in common yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> well you're... it was such a pleasure and, and i really appreciate the the chance to just be able to geek out for a while yeah most definitely i know we had that little glitch in the middle but yeah most definitely great conversation really yeah. hope we can talk again yeah absolutely thank you guys so much yeah thank you for your time absolutely yes. have a great day hope to talk to you soon jeremy all right absolutely michael all right, so now that uh, Jeremy joined us and we had a great time talking with him, real fun guy, we're going to get into the less exciting part of our podcast because <laughs> we don't have a guest host now. Yeah, that's it's kind of sad, but, you know, we'll get through it, I think, maybe, right? Well, I we're going to move on to the shorts now. Now, it's a brand new superhero short on DC Nation. You only had one this week. It was Amethyst. And Michael, I really thought it was Amethyst level six, the final boss. Because he should give you the full information there. I think people would appreciate me doing that. And Michael, really, I thought you were right about this Amethyst short. Because last week you said it was going to have a solid fight. And I thought it did. Yeah. I thought the fight with the final boss brought the story back around nicely. Because Amethyst figured out the source of the glitch inside of her video game. Mm-hmm. It was essentially Prince Topaz having the wrong tactics on wanting to take down the final boss. And really, if yeah. you're a Sailor Moon fan, the way she brought this demonic big bad down was pretty exciting. Despite kind of the cheesy factor of the guy being dropped down to his underpants. Yeah. But with the villain being defeated, I'm really surprised we're getting a level 7. Yeah, I, I thought this was the last one. I guess seven's the last one. I guess. I don't know. But, I mean, that's just enough time for... Amethyst to get the ruby slippers gotta learn there's no place like home yeah if you catch that reference who doesn't get that reference or maybe they're going to use it as set up for an amethyst series which they may do like the um teen titans one right but i think if they're going to go there i think they need to make it a little more serious kind of like totally spies mm-hmm. i think that was the example you used last week yes i think that's what they should do i think it would work better I mean, even if you did it kind of like Am- like uh, not Amethyst, obviously that's what we're talking about. Kind of like um, Sailor Moon, it would probably work. Yes. I mean, I only watched a few episodes, but 
and I was little, but <laughs> except I would make it less Power Rangers like and more like Amethyst is in this ancient magical world, or how she is in the comics where she's more warrior. Right. Yeah, I agree. Okay, that's pretty much it. <laughs> and that's it. I think we're gonna have an intervention on talking about the shorts now. Well, I mean, we had a lot of stuff to talk about with Jeremy, so we don't really have to talk about the shorts much because there's not right. much to talk about. But there were a few things to talk about. Young Justice Invasion Intervention, which Jeremy, which Jeremy did enjoy from its Blue Beetle appearances. The team attempts to free Blue Beetle from the Reach's control and avert Impulse's prophecy. For those of you out there who think you can send a woman to do a speed search job, you haven't met the female superheroes of Young Justice, because they really took care of business on this week's episode with repairing Blue Beetle's scarab, because sending a certain home-wrecking Atlantean packing. Ugh. So, Michael, did you like it how the women took charge on this week's Young Justice? Hey, I mean, it, for story purposes, it worked really well. I agree. And quite honestly, I don't think you could have really done it any other way. Right. And I really thought characters like Batgirl, Zatanna, and Miss Martian really did a great job of taking initiative. Got what they wanted to do on this episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, I am woman, hear me roar. I'm taking care of this. (laughs) I am taking you down. Yeah. We haven't really seen a whole lot of Zatanna or her do something useful in a long time. So good for her. Actually useful. Yeah, no, I I know what you're saying. Yeah. I definitely agree with you there. I mean, she's kind of been in the background now that she's in the Justice League. So the fact that she was with the team in this episode kind of threw me off. But you had to do it because of Blue Beetle. That worked. Plus her and Becker are friends. Yeah. And they're both, you know, Dick Grayson lovers. Right. They have dirt on, on them, right? I, yeah, I thought you were going to say something that you were going to regret. No, no, no. <laughs> Sisters united against the male cause. <laughs> yeah. M- much better than what I was thinking in my head. Right. But No, uh, I'm not going there. Whoa. Moving on. <laughs> Who do you think I am, Andy? What? No. <laughs> yes. Uh, we enjoy you, Andy. It's fun. Yeah, it's very fun. We're going to keep going. Yes. But on that note, I think the moment that deserved a nice bit of applause for the entire episode was Megan doing something she should have done a long time ago. Break things off like good boy. Like, yes, of course he was your rebound guy. Why do you have to think about it? <laughs> Just break up with him. He means nothing to you and nothing to anybody. Just get rid of the guy. <laughs> And walk away and find Connor before he gets together with Wendy Harris. Oh, wait. I just sent him to watch TV. Yeah. Well, I'm right. I, I think Megan could have shaved herself a lot of work by explaining she wanted to end the relationship because of his repeated use of the expression of Neptune's beard. <laughs> Instead of giving the rebound speech. Which, you know, in all honesty, I'm kind of... Uh... Neptune's beard is actually kind of growing on me. Not the character. Not, I mean, Lagoon Boy isn't, but his ser- saying is. I don't know. If Aquaman said it, it would be cool. 
Or if Aqualad said it. Yeah, it's kind of out of place for his character. Yeah, that's true. More more Aquaman, but... Do you know what would be hilarious? Or Garth. No, if when Black Manta... No, when uh, Aqualad reveals himself as a double agent, that's what Black Manta says. Neptune's beer. Yes. Yes. Actually, that would be perfect. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. That would be a joyous moment for you. Oh, yeah. But, man, you know, Jeremy was talking about how they had Green Lantern really want to mess with our heads with Aya and Razor. Like, you know, they put Joss Whedon has a tendency to do. Got his but this shows. has been worse. Yes, Nightwing stabbed us to the heart of this episode. That Superboy was out with Wendy. Yeah, this is this is very worse. I mean, I love Aya and Razor together, but... I want more Miss Martian and Superboy instead. I'd, I'd rather have that, if you know what I mean. But I was thinking this. I th- I, this kind of made me feel better about it. Do you think it's possible Connor went out with Wendy to get some love advice about getting back together with Megan? That is entirely possible. Because I could see like their whole like exchange in the apartment that we kind of saw take place off screen with Connor and Megan was like a moment where he's like, oh, I want to get back to with her. And, you know, Connor, I don't think he necessarily knows how to deal with that sort of thing. No, I'd agree with you Since there. he's I only like probably, five. Right? Since he's only five. Exactly. You can't expect him to know that much about relationships when he's only five years old and she's like 50 years old. Right. So he's like, you know, he goes to Wendy. Wendy, how do we get with a 56-year-old woman? Oh, my gosh. And he's like, and she's like, like what? Um, what? <laughs> It's either that or Wolf eats her. We threw that out there, too. Wolf eats Wendy? Yeah. Wolf kind of is Wonder Dog, isn't he? Yep. Huh. Teen Titans comic reference. Teen Titans, go! But it's a little horrific for a kid's show, so I doubt that's the case. I hope not. Well, you know, they could have done it in the comic if it was still going. Oh. Ended. It ended... On a, on a high note, it did end on a high note. I will admit that, but it was sad to see. Did it end on a cliffhanger? <laughs> did it end? Um, no, probably not. No, it just led right into season two of Young Justice. Actually, there you go. Yeah, so it worked. It all connects. Just only yeah. if they would make that video game. Which video? Oh yeah, that. Well, that's supposed to come out in. Um, they're still going to make it? Yeah, it's supposed to come out in September. Wow. Yeah, that's the release date. They finally put a release date on it. So Look out, September. folks. We got more Young Justice still coming. Yeah. Thank goodness. My <laughs> gosh. Stop, you know? They only make that Green Lantern the Animated Series video game. That'll never happen. <laughs> I know. Ne- but yeah, d- sorry, dude. <laughs> I know. I I want the same, but... Well, moving on to one of the only male characters who had a big role in this episode, next to Impulse. I liked it from a storytelling purpose that Jamie Reese's persona was trapped inside the Scarab's body. Because with the finale only a few episodes away, it was a quick way to fix the problem without having an entire episode where Jamie had to like get over all the Cadus acts he committed while under the Reach's control. Kind of like with... with, with what went on with Megan. 
a couple of weeks ago again. with the whole lobotomizing thing. So yeah. I'm glad we didn't go through this because last week Megan said we're going to put our crap behind us. And that's what the show needs to keep doing. So yeah. I'm glad that they did it this way just to fix it all real quick. I yeah, also I, thought, I agree with you. And I also thought, Michael, that the jokes that were made in this episode with the Reach Ambassador, you know, with his dialogue being incredibly yes. cheesy, had Jamie complaining about his body white, waving like a queen. <laughs> I, I thought this <laughs> yeah, I thought this made the episode fun and lighthearted. Yeah, it, it made it very fun. It, it, it could have been frightening. I mean, yeah. if I just had to watch how physically as my body went around causing death and destruction, that's well, yeah. kind I of mean, something I, I would want to experience. That. <laughs> it would creep out kids. They'd have nightmares. So I'm glad they kind of made it fun. Mm-hmm. But it was awkward that, you know, a third string hero like Blue Beetle took the place of Superman so easily. And that Toy Man would rather fight Superman over Blue Beetle. That was, was kind of really, I was really hoping Chris Gothier would be voicing Toy Man. He kind of looked like him a little bit. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And I was like, oh, please be his voice. Please be. And it wasn't. And I was mad. Yeah, well, he kind of had an unpleasant fall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But well, I, th- I think maybe that was the point to show that. You know, it, it was better than his fall in Superman Doomsday. Yeah. He kind of died there. <laughs> yeah, he did. That's that's a real buzzkill. But this this situation, I think it was to show the danger of the beetle being controlled by the scarab. Yeah. Yep. Now, with Lagoon Boy having terrible luck with women in this episode, because always... Impulse shockingly did really well. Because I really want to know how he was able to get the women on the Young Justice team. The older women, believe it or not, as in Batgirl, Icon, Kanzatana, to help him slave Blue. As they normally consider the young speedster to be a pervert. Mm. So were you surprised? Um, yeah. Should... Should I ask you what you think that Impulse had to do to earn the woman's help? I mean, did he say he was going to spy on them in the shower or not go through their underwear drawer? You know, like let's, that let's, one just, let's just hope that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but let's hope he decided to stop. Because I just thought it was kind of strange that they helped him out. Because normally the, the female heroes are a little disgusted by Impulse a lot of the time. Although I will say in this show, he's done to the point where they wouldn't be because it is a kid's show. And he's and also portrayed like a younger Barry. Yeah. And not only that, yeah. though, but also it's to help a team member. Yes. So it's and it ultimately it helps defeat the Reach. So I don't, I don't think it was necessarily them just doing it to help him. I think it was also doing it because it's the mission. Right. Well, and, and Barbara Gordon's character has always been betrayed, portrayed as very motherly. Mm-hmm. So I think that was part of it as well. Yeah, I liked her and Impulse, um, their scenes. Yeah, and and that was a great thing. And there there wasn't, hasn't been a lot of Batgirl on the show. But just enough. But I, I like how they're having her connect with other characters. 
Yes. Because normally a lot of the time, and, and I like it, of course, is, you know, Nightwing and Batgirl and the Bat family. But I like seeing her get outside the box, get interact with somebody like Impulse. Mm-hmm. And stick up for him as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But with that and what she was doing, it seemed like for a little while that Barbara was almost defying Nightwing's orders. Really? It seemed like like he was much more driven towards getting the key, getting the key back, and Blue wasn't as important that that needed to be on the back burner. I don't feel that she was defying his orders because I felt at the end the end scene with uh, Nightwing and Megan, I felt he was kind of overseeing the mission. Okay. I mean, it, it took it to me like because it was such a rogue and random team that they kind of acted, you know, on their own. And then Nightwing kind of figured out what was going on and went, okay, maybe this was the right decision. I'll help him out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, that could have been easily the case, too. Okay. There are a lot of scenarios here. Because I, I know you have a little more insight on the nightwing Barbara relationship, Rebecca relationship within this universe. Because it's yeah. in the comics a little bit. Yep. So, I mean, I, she would never do anything to betray him. Okay. But are they kind of rivals? They're, she very much respects his position as leader. Okay. So it's not necessarily a rivalry. It's more of a competition. But in this case, because it was a because it was a direct attempt to hurt the reach and yeah. to save a team member, I don't think they disagreed on it at all. Well, and I also think it was he sent her as team leader because she had the knowledge. Yes. She know, knew what was going on and had all the research and all. And he can fully trust her. Right. Because of yes. their relationship. Right. Almost a, a trust level that once was there between Connor and Megan as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. That where where they had that one episode where they had to figure out the difference between be together and be together while on a mission. Yes. And I think Nightwing and Batgirl on this show know those boundaries a lot better than Connor and Megan did, especially in season one right. of Young Justice. Well, Barbara, with her dad being a cop and just how intelligent she is, is going to be much more professional because mm-hmm. that's her personality. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Also, they're older at this point, too. Yeah. there. I mean, there's that, too. I mean, Barbara's probably been only doing this for three, four years at this point. She probably right. started uh, maybe a few months to a year or two after season one ended. Yeah. So she's had enough time not only to train with Batman and Dick and Tim and Jason at one point, but she also has that experience from her father being a cop and being in a private school, you know, you learn more discipline than you would in a public. And I don't mean that to slam anything, but you know what I'm saying? Also, wasn't the events of the season finale, what put her into action? I'd put her in that role where she had to step up, but kind of be a hero like figure. Would that have anything to do with it? Because well, I don't know. I just felt that was her origin was like the beginning of it was that there was a crisis and there were like people of Gotham stepping up to help and she was one of them. I mean, possibly. Not, I mean, my opinion on the matter is it's I just thought that was one of her cameos origin. was showing that. 
Yeah, I mean, you saw yeah. cameos, but okay. Yeah, it's it's more complicated in this universe because you don't know everything that happened in those five years. All right. So you got to do a lot of speculation. Well, after the whole thing with bringing the scarab down, Coppin, and how it, you know, was set up. Michael, I know you're not the biggest fan of magic, but did yeah. it work here? For I think it worked scarab? here. I, I think it did because it tied in Isis to it. Right. And that was really interesting because we've always seen like her thing with beetles, you know, but right. it's never really been explained in the DC universe. And I think this explained it really well. Well, it also explained, explained, you know, the connection between the three Beatles as well. Yeah. Especially with Dan Garrett being an archaeologist. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's very much like Hawkman. And wasn't he around the original Blue Beetle around the time that Isis and Shazam and those characters were introduced? Um, Captain Marvel or whatever you call him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Around that area, yeah, around that area. Okay. But you like this the magic thing? Did you like it from the standpoint it gave to taught us something to do? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, because we haven't seen her all season, really, and right. Rocket neither. And I, I'm not a big fan of Rocket, but she had a good role in this. Well, I called her Icon earlier. Oh well. Who? Yeah, that's how much we don't really care yeah. now. We love you, Dwayne McDuffie, but. Rocket, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, I liked how they resolved the Scarab issue because it gave Green Beetle an opportunity to be a hero again. Because we talked about how we thought he was a really cool character and we didn't want him to be a bad guy. So I'm glad that got fixed. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. was good. Well, and I, yeah, I did like Green Beetle a lot when he first appeared, and we did think he was a good guy. And now this is something interesting, and I was talking to my brother about it on the way home the other day from where we were. Yes. Because he also watches Young Justice, and he watched Saturday's episode a few nights ago. And I was, sa- I was saying how it kind of confused me with when you saw the Green Martians Martian form, or the Green Beetle's Martian form. Yeah. Because he's green, but it's a white Martian body. And I was really confused because the green Martians are supposed to look different than the white Martians. They're supposed to look a lot like uh, Martian Manhunter looks on the show. Right. And in the comic, the Young Justice comic, they look a lot like that as well. So I was really confused when he g- got rid of his uh, beetle suit, why he was looking like a white Martian, but with green skin. Do you think maybe it's like the Scarab's effect on him or something? I don't know. I don't know. It could be. Or an animation goof. That can happen sometimes, too. Yeah. Is this the first time we've seen the true form of a Martian, though? On Young Justice? Good animation? I I guess, but they're supposed to look like um, Martian Manhunter. The white, the green ones. Because we saw Miss Martian as a white Martian, but I don't know. Yeah, not sure either. That's kind of an issue. Uh, another big thing about this episode, IGN was kind of complaining that they thought it was a stretch that that it was a stretch for you know something that we briefly saw, randomly saw 
in the previous Bialia episode to be the big thing that solved such a major conflict in the show. I mean, did you feel like it was a stretch or do you think it's more it felt that way, Michael, because of, you know, the long hiatuses and things like that that pushed the episode schedule back? Can you say that again? I mean... Well, like, the big thing is that IGN thought it was a stretch because, remember, the cave wall, Batgirl saw that in that previous Bialya episode. Yeah. They thought it was a stretch for that to be brought back as, like, the key to saving Blue Beetle. So did you think that was a stretch for them to do that? Or was this more of another result of you know, Cartoon Number putting that show on Kaiatus and that kind of hurting the story arc like we talked about before? I think that's definitely because of Cartoon Network. Okay. I think it would have worked if you're watching the full season. Okay. But, yeah. So, I mean, I had no problem. I personally forgot, but when she they showed the flashbacks to it, I remembered. Right, and that helped dramatically. But I think we hadn't seen that scarab or that image for a year. Maybe less than a year, but like six months or so. Mm-hmm. So that kind of threw me off a little bit. Yeah. And also, I mean, got another criticism. Another criticism that IGN had. Can I kind of resolve this in my head? Was they felt that the episode needed to explain whether or not the team was expecting Blue Beetle to go bad months ago when Batgirl started researching the Beetle Temple. And with that, Michael, I wanted to say, did you think that that explanation was really necessary? Because I felt they really explained everything just fine regarding the whole situation with Dr. Fate, you know, being able to, un- being unable to cast the spell and Zatanna having to learn it. Mm-hmm. And I really thought this was, you know, a great way of the writers adding development to the unresolved plot line from the first season, you know, with Zatanna's father becoming Dr. Fate. Yeah, it worked for me. Okay. Yeah, I had no problem with it. Because, again, that thing with her father was long since forgotten about. And it was interesting. Well, I, I didn't forget about it. Why well, I hadn't forgotten either, but was it was open. interesting seeing them working together because she couldn't even stand the sight of him as Dr. Fate before. But, again, that was five years ago. Right, but I'm just saying it's interesting to see how the characters developed. What a long yeah. way she's coming, how she's matured. As she needs to, if she's going to be a part of the Justice League, especially. Yeah, and that's something that the show, I just didn't feel like I had time to exploit to its full extent. Because the idea that they've grown up and, and mm. the toll the five years has taken upon them. I think it was very greatly reflected through Miss Martian, but some of the other characters, like Satana, kind of got left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. And finally, based on the ending scene we got with Queen Bee, I think it's safe to make the assessment that the light plans to double-cross everyone, because of the Justice League, Young Justice, and the Reach, because it means mm-hmm. of fulfilling their own sinister agenda. But Michael, what I want to ask you is, what do you think exactly is their <laughs> ultimate goal? You know, that's a good question. I really don't know. Um... I don't know. I, I mean, we had the theory a while ago that 
Maybe they were in league with Darkseid and Apocalypse, which I think could easily be the case because we've seen a lot of people and a lot of things from Apocalypse yeah, and like New Genesis. Gordon. Yeah, like G. Gordon, exactly. But at the same time, it sounds like they have their own plans. So I don't I don't know if they right. tie in together or if they're separate things or if Darkseid has his own plans that aren't associated with the light. I'm not exactly sure. I don't even know what the light's ultimate goal is. I mean, it, and really, it could be something as simple as what the Legion of Doom did in Alex Ross's Justice series. Great kind of, me. Okay, do you remember in that series? Now, for those of you who haven't read the series, there will be spoilers ahead, so please read that series because it's incredible. Alex yeah. Ross's Justice book. Um, Artwork is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. What happens in that series is basically the Legion of Doom sends members of themselves. Well, they find out the identities of the Justice League through the Batcave. And then what they do is they send members to take out each of the Justice League, and then they pretend to be humanitarians. And ultimately... Brainiac ends up double-crossing the Legion of Doom and ends up trying to control everybody. And he tries making Aquaman's son his next body. Uh-oh. Yeah. So, I mean, there. I mean, obviously it would be changed in Young Justice, but I think their overall goal could have been the same, where they, are, they want to make themselves Earth's heroes, Earth's protectors. Or it could be something like Justice League Doom where Vandal Savage just wants to destroy Earth and they'll be the leaders of it when they repopulate. Yeah, and that's what I thought they were going to do and use War World as a weapon to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's more what I th- was thinking. Um, I really personally don't want it to be Dark Side now. Because I, I just don't want that cliffhanger. But that's what I think. I, really I want it to be like resolved get. and fixed. I know, but like I Greg really think Weisman that's is a mean, mean man. Well, <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> well, he just likes giving Cartoon Network the middle finger. You screwed me over, so I'm going to leave. You got a cliffhanger. And from what we were talking about with Jeremy, it doesn't sound like they would have probably had time to change anything. Right. Because Green Lantern didn't either. I'm I'm telling you, I was you know cliffhanger for Green Lantern and but, Dark Side cliffhanger for Young Justice. I thought that season one of Young Justice was wrapped up, wrapped up enough with a well enough ending, where it felt like it ended, but there was still a fight going on. They could do that here. Yeah, that's what and I'm then, hoping they do. And, and you could, and then the last scene could be a cut scene to Dark Side and say. And now we're going to attack. I mean, they don't even, or whatever he wants to say, motivational speech, whatever. But he could even have two lines, and you would know what next season would be, but you still have enough ending. Right, exactly. Just like where we uh, get the Superboy, where we'd have, you know, Superboy and Miss Martian get together. Yeah. And we'd have Aqualad get Artemis back with the good guys. Yeah. Got things like that. We get that wrapped up. And they're each taken off planet. Right. And then. And the league back. Yeah. And the reach, I mean, the the light defeated to a certain extent. To a certain extent. And then we see... Right. And then we see Apocalypse. And we see Darkseid. And he raises his fist or whatever. And then the the League is coming back. Yes. When that happens, yeah. Uh, But the thing is, too, with the season one finale, it was... the The next week was season two. 
Right. We didn't have to wait long for that. We had to wait long for other things, but we didn't have to wait long for the next season. I think that's what it would have been if they would have been able to keep going. Right. So if if that's the case, they might have made the ending to season two different so that you could jump into it next week. Right. But again, as, as um, Jeremy was saying, they wrote some of these episodes like two years ago. Well, for Green Lantern, though. I would say it's the same. I'm sure it probably I think is. they keep them on the same production schedule. Probably. So. But they would have had to write Green Lantern earlier because of the movie anyway. But Young Justice came out first. Well, yeah, Young Justice. The first episode was two, 2010. Then it was um, made right. into series in 2011. And then it was taken off until DC Nation 2012. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, in seasons two, I didn't think started production until late 2011, early 2012. Right. I don't know how it all worked, but still, I would say that the fact that they ended on the same day meant that they were got very similar schedules. I agree with that. But and anyway, they had very similar episodes. Right. But anyway, let's move on to talking about Smallville season 11, Coffee yeah. G chapters three. God, we're going to kind of keep this quick. There were some big points that occurred in the episode. So we're going to touch upon them briefly, and then we'll move on to the closing. John Jones shares a Martian history lesson with Bruce Wayne as he searches to make peace with his past, but current events continue to make that difficult for the superhero team. And with this issue of Effigy, a lot of origin, backstory going on here. And it's interesting how they make the Mar- green Martians use primitive weapons instead of stuff like we saw in Justice League Secret Origin. Yes. That's what interested me the most. And that was probably adding the Smallville like realism to the story. Well, realism loosely. And we got <laughs> but what was cool is we got to visually see a lot of John jo- Jones's story that he explained to Clark on Smallville. Yeah, and we see Jor-El, and we see him him and Jor-El putting Alder from Season 6 episode Static in the Phantom Zone. Yep. It's very cool. So it was and, cool. And Alder is wearing the same exact clothes. It's so yeah. good. I'm like, yes, I love the continuity right there. It was cool seeing all that to go together, and that's a, you know, a new thing with Smallville was the idea of John Jones and um, Jor-El working together. Which makes a lot more sense, I think. I, I agree and with regular that. Regular continuity. Even. I agree with that. I really like it, too. But it was cool to actually see it. Because we never got to see it on Smallville. Now, do you think it's possible that, and I know this is going off a little bit off of Smallville, but do you think it's possible in the New 52 that that Martian Manhunter could have worked with Jor-El? Because this Martian yeah. Manhunter seems like he's a lot older than he normally is in the comics. And I could see where that might make Superman uncomfortable. That led to the fallout that they had. Yeah. With him being or, in the league. Or why Martian Manhunter still wants, you know, to have to do with the league, especially in Justice League of America 1. That he still thinks he needs to oversee and protect Superman kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, humanity in general and, super, like and superhumans and the Justice League especially. Because the whole reason the JLA comes together in that book is really based off of what happened in the first eight issues of Justice League. 
Yes. So that's all I mean. I mean, it would be really cool to see that in the new 52 as well. I didn't mean to go off on a tangent, but. Well, what was cool about this comic was seeing the evolution of Clark. Yeah. You know, you had that one frame where they showed him as, you know, his high school self, you know, with the red jacket, and then Kim as the blur with the red jacket. And then his regular red and blue shirt, and then his other blue shirt, blur yeah, shirt. Yeah, kind of the dark blur from season nine. That was cool to see. And then season that 10. And all that, yes. I was mad we didn't get to see him in the Superman Return suit. They should have showed too. that. But anyway, it, that was fun. I liked that. Um, the Jarrell stuff was good. Um, and some of the throwbacks to what went on with Checkmate during season nine was odd. Yeah. That was fascinating. And us hearing more of Batman's reaction to that. Because we, we, we talked about it in Detective because Bruce went there after the collapse and cl- gathered data on the Justice League. Right. One thing I was getting a little curious about is what Barbara was trying to write on the wall of, like, the back-to-tank thing yeah, that she was know. inside of. I'm not sure. That was interesting that, that Brian just kind of left that message she was trying to write kind of up on the air. I, I don't understand the point of that, but maybe he this, can explain it to us. This must be before uh, the last chapter of Smallville. I agree. Because she's still in the tank at this point, and in the last chapter, she's out of it and in Metropolis. But I still thought they did a decent job of trying to line it up. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying continuity-wise, it would have to take place before. Yeah, right. I agree. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I think they're doing a decent job under the circumstances. Absolutely. Of lining it up. Absolutely. So that was perfect. Can I also like the description that they had with Batman and John? where Batman explains that, where John makes the reference that Barbara's too young to be a lover a lover, and too old to be a daughter. Can I like that? It was a good job, Brian, nipping that on the butt. Yeah, definitely <laughs> to, um, yeah, because we talked about that with him, didn't we? Yeah, because Brian that said we, it made him comfortable. We didn't want it to be Mystery of the Batwoman. <laughs> yes, because if you don't know on Batman the Animated Series, and Batman Beyond, it's alluded to the fact that Bruce Wayne and Barbara Gordon had a relationship. God, that greatly disturbs us as well as Brian. So Brian uh, just put his foot down and said, no, we're not doing that. Yes. They are yes. friends by like Clark and Chloe. Yes. So way well, to go, not Brian. Like, not like Clark and Chloe, but but yes. It's it's Chloe with an age difference. Yep. Yep. Yes. So that was perfect. I love that. Yes. Oh, thank goodness they covered that. And so that was good. We should Faraday. Yes. And the way this ended, well, Young Justice fans, I think you could get pretty fired up. Yes. Because he tells, basically, there's a he's dead. Yes, King Faraday's dead. And King Faraday is who died when... Martian Manhunter was teleported to Earth, right? No, that was da- uh, Dr. Saul Erkenstein. Okay. And King Faraday, he is from the New Frontier comic book. Uh, they did a movie on it called Justice League, the New Frontier, that we'll do right. a commentary on at some say. point. But King Faraday has had close ties to both Martian Manhunter and Checkmate. So he was a friend of Martian Manhunter. Is and- King Faraday the guy that died in 
Yes. New Frontier when he's teleport? Okay. Yes, he is. Because um, that's what I was thinking about, yeah. He's the secret agent that John Jones befriends and then right. dies saving John's life in the battle with the Martians. But but isn't Erkstein the guy that created Captain America? Or is there two Dr. Erkstein's in both universes? There are two, I think. The one is the one oh. who teleported John to Earth. And then King Faraday is the one who befriended him in the New Frontier comic. But in the normal continuity before the New 52, he was Amanda Waller's white knight in Checkmate. Okay, that could still be true. And that, and that must be where he is here. Yeah, okay. Or what he would have been, I guess. Yeah, because he, he's dead. They find him dead. Because he says something about take care of his daughter. God, the white Martian shows up. Yes, and we And at that moment, I go, I turned the page and I went, hello, Megan. Yeah, it's it's got to be. It's got to be Miss Martian. It's got to be Miss Martian. And then that got Michael excited because his brain started going, well, maybe we could get that Superboy arc I wanted. Yes. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was very excited. And then I'm like, ooh, Young Justice team. No, they won't go that far. Well, they may do a Young Justice team eventually, like a sub-Justice League group. Well, I was thinking maybe they could get, like, Mia, who's been introduced, got Nightwing, Ed, Connor, and then Miss Martian, of course. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that could be a big possibility. Well, I yeah, like that and, too. Well, I don't think they do Aqualad just yet. Okay, and maybe Bart will work somehow, depending on how that's explained. Yeah, depending on how haunted <laughs> ends. But also, also, guys, if you would like to support me at my extracurricular activities outside of Across the Airways, you can read my review on this digital chapter of Smallville on the Superman homepage website. Okay. Yes. But when you were talking about extracurricular activities, I'm like, go what? Are they going to go watch you jog or something? Yeah, yes. They're <laughs> going to watch me jog. No, I do not jog. There's no chance. <laughs> Quite like jogging. Okay. Yeah, no. You know how badly that would look. <laughs> it is tights. Because Superman tights. No, oh my though. gosh, no. Oh, Superman tights. No. And I think that's it. I mean, I think we're digressing from here, don't you? Yeah, we are digressing from here, but yeah, that is it. I mean, good chapter. Effigy continues and ends this week. And, and we can't wait thank to you. Thank you, Brian, for pleasing us Young Justice fans. And, and us Batman the Animated Series fans. That was just kind of like Eat It Cartoon Network. So even Brian's on the bandwagon. Yes. Don't you love the love we have here on DC Nation? No kidding. <laughs> I mean, first Jeremy's on our bandwagon, and then Brian... <laughs> And of course, John Carlos on our bandwagon. Yes, we have some fun-filled writers that have joined us on this show. Can I appreciate talking to all of them because it's been a blast. Really talking cool. to all of them. Oh yeah. And if you, <laughs> listeners, want to talk with us about uh, the DC Nation shows, you're going to get that opportunity, aren't you, Michael? Absolutely, Dan. On what day? March 16th at 2 p.m., 1 p.m. Central. God, what are we going to do there? Host a live podcast event on our Ustream channel that will talk about Green Lantern and Young Justice Invasions series finales. So this is where you could gripe about the crazy cliffhangers. 
thought we may get. Got to discuss and tear it apart and speculate about future seasons. Got maybe even talk to people involved with the shows. We're maybe. working on that. And you can talk with Andy too. Yes. And and us through our chat room. Yep. And also beforehand, if you have anything you'd like us to mention, you could send it to us in a voicemail, go on Twitter, go anywhere, and we'll talk about it on the show. Just specify yep. that you want us to talk about it during the live show. And really, and if you guys want to contact us in any way, you can just visit our website, acrosstheirways.com, right. and there's a tab at the top of the page that says contact, and you can contact us via any of those means that are in that tab. Right, and, and if you want to do anything with the live show as well. Also, we have a blog post that explains the live show event in more details, right, Michael? Yes, that is acrosstheirways.com slash announcement. I believe is the URL. Got also um, get on the ATA Twitter that day too, because Michael will be keeping an eye on that. Got to be yep. keeping an eye on his own Twitter uh, to talk about your thoughts about the episode as well. Yes. So if you mention uh, any time on Saturday, March sixteenth, during the day on uh, our Twitter, we will probably talk about it on air. If it's interesting. If if it's interesting, no, we most we, we most likely will. We'll. We'll probably even read some fan reactions at the beginning of our show, probably, right? Yeah, I think so. That might be a good idea. Yeah, and we'll also be talking with people in the chat as well. Oh, absolutely, because there is a chat room on our Ustream page that you can talk to. Uh, you can talk to us while we're live, and you can. Right. And we'll probably even take some callers to call in and be on with us for five, ten minutes. Yes, we can make that happen. Yes, we will. We will get you on somehow. Yeah. You will get on the airwaves. Yes. <laughs> but before that, we have one more regular episode of DC Nation that's going to cover Green Lantern, the animated series, and Young Justice, as well as DC Nation shorts, Gun yep. Smallville. So, yep. Michael, you want to tell us what we're reviewing next week? Absolutely, Dan. On week 47 of the DC Nation podcast, we will be covering the Green Lantern, the animated series episode, Ranks. R-A-N-X, as well as two new DC Nation Farm League shorts, the Young Justice Invasion episode Summit, and Smallville Season 11, Issue 37, Effigy, Chapter 4, and the final chapter of Effigy. Yeah, there's going to be two Effigy chapters being yeah. released. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you don't get confused. And that's due to the print issue of Smallville Season 11, Issue 11, coming out this week in your local comics. Also, you can check out our other podcasts while you wait for our next DC Nation. You can check out ATA Retro Reviews, which covers TV shows that were canceled or went out on their own terms. God, soon we'll be covering movies. Got a date that's to be announced by Michael. Done worked out by Wu. Yeah. Also, if you'd like, you can listen to the podcast that started it all here, Across the Airwaves. Got on that podcast, we cover almost all the popular live-action dramas and sitcoms that are airing on television right now. So if it's big and people are talking about it, we're covering it. Most likely. Yes, and also, Hot Across Airways, we discussed many of the shows that Jeremy referenced today in his interview. Yes. So if you want to know what the heck Jeremy's talking about, check out Across the Airways. Okay, Jeremy, if you're listening, check out Across the Airways, too, because there's a lot of content on that podcast you'd enjoy hearing about. And also, we have Michael's Pride and Joy. And that is ATA Longbow Hunters, 
the Arrow podcast, hosted by Michael and Wu, that covers episodes of the hit CW series Arrow in greater detail. Oh, yeah, we do. And, and right, our last episode was very long. But it needed to be because it was a huge episode. There's a lot of speculation. It was. And also, it'll hold you over because right now the show is on Kaius to March 20th. Which is a really inconvenient time for me because the two episodes that we have to do next, I have to do at really odd and uncomfortable times. But, oh, well. It's for you guys. Coming to you live from Mexico. Well, the first week it will be, yes. So that'll be going on. Again, the episode of Long Launchers will be airing a little bit later than the 20th because that's the day Arrow comes back. Yeah. But we'll keep you updated on that, and you're probably for sure going to see updates when new episodes are released on our website, which you can visit at www.acrosstheairwaves.com. And by visiting our website, you can also contact us through email. Get our emails across airwaves at gmail.com. No, across the airwaves at gmail.com. Yeah. Yes, across the airwaves at gmail.com. Thank you, Michael. It's across the airwaves at gmail.com. Just in case you didn't get it right yet. Also, on our website, you could click the like button to access our podcast through Facebook. There you could stay updated on our podcast episode releases as well as the movie and TV news that Nico finds out for our Across the Airwaves show during the week. Okay, for that same information, you can follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter is Across the Airwaves. There's no the on there. It's just Across the Airwaves. Okay, also, if you'd like, you can join our circle on Google+. Also, if you want, you can leave us a voicemail discussing any of the comic books or TV shows that we discuss on this podcast. But uh, when you leave us a voicemail, please specify because for the DC Nation podcast. So we'll play it on the air for our show. Could, what number can you call to do that, Michael? 1773-809-3363. That is 1773-809-3363. You can also check out our YouTube channel, which now I think or is will soon have be released a video advertising our DC Nation live show. Is that correct, Michael? Yes, I'll hopefully be getting that up either uh, tomorrow or Thursday. So check that out. Um, we'll get that out there and also on our YouTube channel. It'll be out, let, let's put it this way. It'll be out by the time this episode is out. Nice. And also on our YouTube channel, you can check out all of the DC Nation shorts that we review here on this podcast, as well as all sorts of previews for upcoming movies, including Superman, I mean, including... Just Man of Steel. Not Superman, just Man of Steel. Just Man of Steel. Yes. Uh, G.I. Joe Retaliation. Star Trek Into Darkness. Iron Man 3. The Lone Ranger, and a whole lot more. Also, is there a trailer out for the Wolverine yet? Not yet. When that's released, we will be adding that as well. Just hopefully someone will remind me. <laughs> also, you could download our Podcast Box app if you don't want to go back through this podcast to listen to all the ways you could contact us because through that app, you could contact our podcast, could listen to our podcast, got your iPad or iPhone. And if you're on an Android device, you could download our Android app from the Amazon marketplace by clicking the link to the right-hand side of our website. So once again, for our special guest, I guess host or 
interviewee on this episode. Got Jeremy Adams. Got for our ATA core members, Nico Reistek, Andy Babacht. Got Wu Kim. Guy Dan Schmidt. And I'm Michael J. Petty. And until our next episode. We will catch you on the airwaves. Hey guys, I know it was a little bit longer of a show, but thanks for joining us. And I hope you had a great time hearing from Jeremy Adams because we definitely had a blast talking with him. And I hope you guys did as well. So, uh, have a great week, you guys, and enjoy these final few episodes of Young Justice. See ya. Meticulous planning, tenacity smiling, decades of denial, is simply why I'll be king of disputed, respected, saluted, and seen for the wonder I am. Yes, my teeth and ambitions are bad. Be prepared. Yes, our teeth and ambitions are bad. We now return to our regularly scheduled program.